Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel. Welcome back if you're listening on the podcast version right now. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the later round running backs and a couple of things to preface this video with. First, what is a late round running back? Well, we can define that as much as you want. Some people might say double digit rounds, round 10 and later. Some people in a deeper league might say round 12 and later. We're going to, for the purpose of this video, be looking at late round running backs in the eighth round or later for just 12 team formats. You can call it PPR, whatever you want to do. Running backs taken after the eighth round in 12-team formats. If you were talking in 10-team formats, we'll talk about running backs then in that regard, probably be taken around the middle of the ninth to the 10th round or later. And it's also important to preface this and also say that you should not really be relying on any of these running backs. And maybe you take some upside shots and some of the guys in this video will be upside shots. Maybe you take some security shots, some handcuffs, whatever it might be, whatever your preference is, you should not be running, relying on these guys as starters. You should not be relying on these guys as your RB2s or RB3s at this point. Honestly, even your RB4s might be a little bit of a stretch. Depending on how you draft it, it could be fine. But these are at best RB4s, RB5s for you. Some of them might have upside. They're depth pieces. Some of them might be because you did a zero RB strategy. Whatever it might be, you're loading up on the mid to late round running backs. You should not be relying on them. If you're drafting with the perfect strategy, in my opinion, the number one strategy, maybe perfect's not the right word to use, but you want to be getting two running backs in your first three picks. And ideally, ideally three running backs in your first four picks or five picks at the very latest. And if that's the case, once you hit the eighth to 10 rounds, then these running backs should be naturally your fourth or fifth running back taken and ideally your fifth running back taken if it's up to me. But I do want to talk about the ones back here because there's a lot of just crappy running backs in these later rounds that people are going to be taking that maybe they had good years in the past and now there's new running backs in their backfield or the offensive line is terrible or they drafted another running back. Now they're likely to be pushed out of the offense in general or out of just the backfield. They're an aging running back. What do they still have left in the tank? All of these things, that's where all those running backs live in the wasteland of the eighth round and, and around the double digit rounds at running back. So we're going to be talking about a couple of them today. And before we break down into it, if you have always been here and watched a lot of these NFL videos and some of my other videos in different sports, thank you. I appreciate you. You rock. And if you're brand new here and you're not yet subscribed, or you have been here and you just didn't notice that you're not subscribed, take a second of your time. A big old subscribe button is going to pop up on the screen. Bottom right hand corner, you can hit that subscribe button. I appreciate you all so much for doing that. And the notification bell and like button while you're at it, smash that little like button, tap that subscribe button, notification bell. Thank you so much. It allows more people to view my videos when you actually do that within the video itself. And as I am recording this, June 15th is when the Supreme Draft Guide is going to be releasing. So on the description of every single one of my videos that'll be releasing, thanks to Monkey Knife Fight, you'll be able to get it for just $10. There's a ton of value that's going to be in there. I'll be posting about it on my social channels. It'll be in the Discord, which is also free. You can hop into down below and a bunch of different ways that you'll be notified. It's going to be very special. I'm excited for it. Thank you all so much. A lot of people have been asking for it. So June 15th. And if you want my top 25 running back rankings right now, whether you want to get the draft guide or not, they're totally free down below. PPR format, redraft, top 25 running back rankings. Check all of that stuff out. So without further ado, fellas, lady fellas, everybody out there, let's break down into it with the guy on the screen behind me, the brand new Miami Dolphin who was traded during the NFL draft for just a draft pick, draft capital out of San Francisco, now heading to Miami, Matt Breida. And Matt Breida in 2019, and really the past two seasons, has been one of the most efficient backs in the league. Last year, he only played on 32.5% of the snaps. He only played in 12 games due to injuries, and it's really been his ankle. He missed four games in 2019 with an ankle injury. He missed two games in 2018 with the exact same ankle sprain, ankle injury. Last year, he had 123 carries, and he ended up piling just under 750 total yards, getting into the end zone a few times. Two total saw 22 targets. Now, he ranked 10th in yards per carry, true yards per carry 
carry at 4.5. He ranked 21st in yards per touch at 5.2. He was sixth in breakaway run percentage, which is a stat that just looks at runs of 15 or more yards. So that's good. He ran behind a top 10 offensive line, all of these things. He only averaged around 8.6 fantasy points per game, but that's what you're going to expect when you're sharing a backfield with when Tevin Coleman was healthy, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert most of the year, Jeff Wilson, a bunch of just running backs in that San Francisco 49ers backfield, as we've been accustomed to seeing over the past few years. And now just to harp on his efficiency even more, in 2018, he was seventh in yards per touch at six yards per touch. He had that really good year. He kind of broke out a little bit with 153 carries for over 800 yards, catching 27 of 31 targets. He ended up finishing that season overall just under, I think it was like 20 yards just shy of a thousand total yards. He was ninth in true yards per carry and fourth in 15 or more yard run percentage at 8.5%. I'll just kind of cap that off by putting up Adam Pfeiffer's tweet here in terms of his yards per touch over the last two seasons, overall touches, how efficient he was. He ranked 21st there last year on a very limited role of just a third of the snaps. And then in 2018, he ranked overall seventh in that department with six yards per touch. So you know how efficient he is and that's good. But now you start to question some things, right? Like, okay, this is good. Like Jordan Howard is in Miami and we'll talk about that. There's some other running backs there. We'll talk about all those guys. But why would why would a guy in Kyle Shanahan who loves efficient players, who loves guys who are great in space with the ball in their hands, yards after the catch, yards after contact, guys like Debo just drafted Brandon Ayuk. So you start to scratch your head and say, why does he get rid of Matt Breida? Is it the injury concerns? They're not that major. It's not ligament damage. It's just kind of ankle injuries, right? The last couple of years, that's just kind of normal injuries. It's not great when you're missing six games, but an ankle injury for a running back, a dynamic player. So out of Georgia Southern, he's only 25 years old. So it's interesting. Maybe he just wants to go all in on Raheem Mostart. They still do have McKinnon under contract, which people forget about. They still have Tevin Coleman. So it could just be a factor of we've got a lot of guys and this is the guy that we like the least out of them. I arguably would say that Matt Breida right up there with Raheem Mostart is probably your best two running backs. Tevin Coleman does not offer much in the passing game. He's a straight line runner. And Jarek McKinnon just has not been consistent in terms of just staying on the field at all. You really don't know what you have in him and you it's a little bit of a risk just trying to put him back out there. So Matt Breida being traded, you start to scratch your head a little bit. Is it just a crowded backfield or is there more to that? Because Kyle Shanahan would be the guy if you're being traded away from him or Bill Belichick, you start to put up a red flag and say, why is this player leaving? But he goes to a Miami offense that man in 2019, the rush offense was brutal. They ran the least per game, 32nd in the entire league at just 21.8 attempts per game. And that's because their offensive line was horrendous. It was a bottom five uh, run blocking offensive line last year and everything. It was moving pieces. It seemed every single week, starting in week two, they're throwing out trade rumors that really didn't pick up much reports that Kenny and Drake, they want to kind of trade him. And then by mid season, they trade him. I think it was like right around week eight, they trade him to Arizona. And then it's great. They're going to use Kalen Balazs. They're going to use Patrick Laird, maybe a little. Mark Walton's looking good. Uh, I think a rookie at that point. Now Mark Walton gets suspended. Kalen Balazs ends up putting up, and we'll talk about his stats in a second, likely the worst running back season that you can see in quite some time. Miles Gaskin gets injured towards the final couple of weeks of the season, and then Patrick Laird pretty much becomes a primarily check down back. So you factor in bad running backs, you factor in just bad luck with injuries, suspensions, guys being traded away, and then you factor in a terrible offensive line, and it just leads to a terrible rushing offense, and that's why they ended up running the least times in the league, and they threw top five amounts in the NFL. So did the Miami do anything in the offseason to help the offensive line, to help the running backs? Well, obviously they added Matt Breed in the offseason. They added Eric Flowers, a guard who I don't know if that'll help too much. They added another center in Ted Carreras. They added Jordan Howard. So a couple of veteran running backs coming in and Breida and Jordan Howard. Not much in terms of offensive line. Like I'm not getting excited about Eric Flowers or Ted Carreras. They lose a couple of centers in free agency. And then in the NFL draft, they actually add offensive line depth, but it's not the most talented players. They just had a ton of first round picks on so that ended up working out. They get two in the first round, of course. Austin Jackson, a first round tackle. They get Robert Hunt, a second round interior offensive lineman. And then Solomon Kinley, a fourth round interior offensive lineman. So the pieces are there. You have a first round offensive talent. You get Eric Flowers, who 
We'll see what he can end up doing there. But then overall, just three offensive linemen taken in the first four rounds of the draft. Hopefully the goal is that this is now at least an average offensive line when it comes to the run blocking department and not a bottom five stinker of an offensive line. You factor into that better running backs that are going to be back there, talented, efficient, Matt Breida, we just talked about, Jordan Howard, who's always been underappreciated in my opinion in all of the offenses, whether it's the Eagles, whether it's the Bears that he was in, they're going to be taking the place of at least it looks like Kalen Balaj, it looks like Patrick Laird. That does profile out to be just a better run offense in general and better offense overall when you factor in Preston Williams coming back another year for Mike Gusecki after a breakout Devontae Parker maybe Tua gets into this offense so it's starting to come together a little bit or at least the theory that you can see a pretty good offense forming here so what does the backfield competition look like for Matt Breida a guy who currently you can get at the beginning of the eighth round of 12 team drafts well number one it's Jordan Howard the veteran running back that they brought in from the Eagles Kalen Balaj, Patrick Laird Miles Gaskin all these guys it's a crowded backfield I assume somebody's going to get cut Kalen Balaj's performance last year, and we can start there, 34.6% of the snaps, 74 carries for 135 yards, three touchdowns, 74 carries for 135 yards. He got 14 to 24 targets. He averaged 1.8 true yards per carry, ranking 67th in the league, and just 2.2 yards per touch, ranking 57th in the league. That is so, so bad is what I have written in the notes because that is just disgusting. So if somebody's going to get cut, I mean, it should be Kalen Balaj. You're not going to cut Jordan Howard or Brita, who you just signed. You're probably not going to cut Patrick Laird. Maybe you do. And Miles Gaskin, I don't know if you cut him either because he has the draft capital. He's close friends with Patrick Laird as well. So if anybody's getting cut, I'd say it's Kalen Blige, how bad he was, and maybe Patrick Laird, but I think they might end up keeping him. Patrick Laird is a very good pass protector. He's a sure-handed pass catcher on checkdowns as well. So if you're looking for a depth piece to keep, he's a better pass protector. He's likely a better pass catcher than Kalen Blige. So when it comes down to it as your fourth string guy is if all hell breaks loose like last year and a bunch of running backs get hurt, which Jordan Howard hurt last year, aging veteran, Matt Breida hurt in the past. This is a thing that might actually come into play. I think they end up keeping Patrick Laird over Blige and then asking the draft pick that they used on him. I think last year, they probably use, uh, keep him again as well. Howard last year played in nine games, 44% of the snaps. He ended up ranking 20th in true yards per carry, got seven touchdowns, caught 10 of 14 targets and had 119 carries for 525 yards, averaged 12.4 fantasy points per game, which did rank 26 among running backs. So again, just a very solid running back that usually goes underdrafted. He's another late round option, but he's being drafted before the eighth round. So he didn't make this video. And then Patrick Laird, like I said, just 2.6 yards per carry was not great. And he was just a factor of catching a lot of check downs 23 receptions on 30 targets and he really only started to play the final quarter of the season about 51.8 percent of the snaps when he was on the field so in my opinion there's no questions asked Matt Breed is the most dynamic and most efficient running back in this backfield but most coaches end up letting Jordan Howard run the ball 15 times per game you saw with Miles Sanders the first half of the season last year so if Matt Breed is going to be used as a satellite back if he just gets on the field more than he did the last two years in San Fran when he's playing 32 and 44 percent of the snaps or 40 percent and you're getting Matt Breed out there for close to 50 percent of the snaps and he stays healthy yeah I think getting him in the eighth round of your PPR formats mainly. That's the big piece here is PPR formats because Jordan Howard will get the red zone work. I think Matt Breida is worth a pick later in those rounds because of the upside that he possesses and potentially the upside that this Miami offense possesses makes it even better of a late round running back pick. I'll finish up Matt Breida by just putting up Ian Hart's tweet, which is something that we were kind of trying to scratch our heads a little bit. Matt Breida's athleticism in that dope run he had against the Bengals are awesome, but Kyle Shanahan didn't want him. That's an issue. Fumbles have been an issue. Jordan Howard is the millennial Frank Gore, which is so perfect. The poor man's Frank Gore, 37, 38 year old Frank Gore, still getting just 12 to 15 touches per game in any offense he's in. It's true. Jordan Howard is like that. Miami's offensive line probably went from awful to simply below average. That's what I was saying. Like they're bottom five. Now maybe they'll be average, right? With some of the draft picks and getting Eric Flowers, but that's a big maybe. So yeah, we'll close the door on Matt Breida, a good late round running back option. There's clearly question marks, but that's why he's not being taken in the fifth or sixth round. He's being taken in the eighth round right now at the beginning of the eighth round. Before we move on to the next running back real quickly, just hit that like button for me. Big old subscribe button just popped up on the screen. Appreciate you doing that. When people subscribe within the 
the video, it tells YouTube, hey, these people are engaging. Let's show it to even more people. So it does really allow me to grow and reach more people. Thank you so much for doing that. Like button, hit that bad boy, hit the subscribe button, and tap that notification bell. Let's get into the next running back in this video. The second running back I'll talk about late round running backs being taken right now at the 8.05. So midway through the eighth round is JK Dobbins, the rookie. He's currently going 101st overall, and he's the RB42 coming off the board, according to Fantasy Pros right now. The former Ohio State running back was taken in the second round at pick 23, late in the second round by the Baltimore Ravens. And if you just want to look at his college profile quickly, these are all things that'll be in the Supreme Draft Guide, again, coming out very shortly, or maybe even by the time you're watching this, June 15th. You can see just his career stats in his 2019. If we focus on 2019, you can see 300 carries over 2,000 yards, 21 touchdowns, and he could catch the ball. He had a 7.6% target share, maybe slightly above average for a running back in college, but he caught 23 of 28 targets. He did force a top 10 missed tackle rate. He was number one in 15 plus yard runs, breakaway percentage, and number four in yards after contact. Absolute beast. You can see in his career, he had three 1,000 yard seasons. As a true freshman, he was a beast. He caught 71 of 84 targets. So while he's in college, he's just breaking up 20, 25 receptions a season. That's good to see coming into the NFL. Now, what is the offense that he's about to come into? This rush offense of Baltimore? Well, it's the best possible one that you can because last year they ranked number one in rush plays per game. Number one rushing offense helps when your quarterback runs for over 1,200 yards, but they ran 37.2 times per game. According to PFF, they had the third best ranked offensive line. They did lose Marshall Yonda, a potential Hall of Fame offensive lineman due to retirement but they did try to fill his void in the draft, which we'll talk about in just a second. And they had a league high 104 red zone rushing attempts, 40 went to Mark Ingram, the 30 plus year old running back now, 26 Lamar Jackson, 20 went to Gus Edwards, and then 10 went to Justice Hill. So everybody was involved. So even if you give JK Dobbins like the in-between role of Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, and maybe he's seeing 15 to 20 red zone rushing attempts, and that leads to six touchdowns inside the 10 yard line, maybe seeing 10 touches, and that leads to four, five touchdowns. Now you're in a position where, wow, J.K. Dobbins is starting to look like a decent option in these middle to eighth rounds, even if he doesn't take on the workhorse responsibilities that nobody had really. Like Mark Ingram ended up being a top 10 running back on less than 50% of the snaps, which is just mind boggling and crazy. And I'll put up a really cool tweet by Graham Barfield. You can follow him at Graham Barfield from Fantasy Points here. And Lamar Jackson's 24 career NFL starts, his running backs rank first in yards per carry, there you go. Huge. Second in success rate, second in first downs, in fourth in rushing fantasy points. That's absolutely insane. It's fantastic. It's because of how often they run. It's because of how often they run in the red zone. It's because of how Lamar Jackson creates deception and allows his running backs to have a lot better options after the read. And they just have to account for Lamar more if you're a defense. And then he says, J.K. Dobbins' dynasty value is an absolute skyrocket. And I, I agree with that. I think J.K. Dobbins next year, Mark Ingram is out after this year. At least he has an out in his contract. Probably will not be optioned and he'll probably be gone. And then when you factor that in, J.K. Dobbins, is now the running back in the offense that just has all these stats right here that you can see uh, from Graham Barfield is going to be J.K. Dobbins who excelled in that similar type of an offense, except it's going to be way better now with Lamar Jackson under it when he was at Ohio State. So what else did the Ravens do in the offseason? Mainly to try and replace Marshall Yonda. They ended up drafting in the third round Tyree Phillips, who a lot of people say interior offensive lineman should have been drafted in the second, potentially even first round. They get Ben Bredesen in the fourth round, another interior offensive lineman, DJ Fluker, Matt Skira, some uh, other options that they had in the free agency period on the offensive line. They pretty much just revamped their offensive line in free agency they did a good amount of that as well in the draft, but they also added J.K. Dobbins. They also added Devin Duvernay and James Prochet, uh, two wide receivers in Duvernay, a slot receiver, bigger guy, and James Prochet in the later rounds of the sixth round. Mainly only losing Seth Roberts, Hayden Hurst, which they don't care too much about. Now that you have Mark Andrews, an up and coming in top three, probably tight end in the league already. And then they lost Marshall Yonda. So the biggest things is that they might have replaced Yonda. He was really good. We'll see what Tyree Phillips can do. Uh, they got a lot of depth in general for the offensive line, which makes sense since they're the number one rushing offense. And that's what they're heavily going to rely on likely once again. So what is the backfield 
field competition. Well, it's going to be Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill. If Justice Hill even makes the team, they said all running backs, all four, they at least recently said will have a role on this team. So I assume they're going to keep all four, especially since they just spent a decent sized draft pick on Justice Hill last year. Ingram on less than 50% of the snaps finished as the RB10, which is insane. 49.8% of the snaps, 201 carries to over a thousand yards, 15 touchdowns are ridiculous, very similar to Aaron Jones, very similar to Raheem Mostart, close to a, I think, 6.7% touchdown rate that is likely due to regress. Did catch 21 of 30 targets, 15.2 touches per game, and the guy catch has 15 touchdowns. It's just going to regress. It, it's just going to regression all capital letters for sure. Gus Edwards saw 20 red zone touches last year and just 34% of the snaps. On 34% of the snaps, he had 133 carries, 711 yards, and two touchdowns. He had seven catches on eight targets for 45 yards. Here's the thing with Gus Edwards. When you factor in his measly 45 receiving yards, he had over 750 total yards. J.K. Dobbins is going to bring a lot more to the table in the receiving department and be a lot more efficient, in my opinion, on the ground. So even in the Gus Edwards role, if, if J.K. Dobbins can take that on fully as the full backup here. And that's not a, a guarantee, but even if he does, this is a guy who as the full backup in this offense can still push for 800, 900 total yards, which is just absolutely insane, which is why in the eighth round, I think he's a value. So even on the low end, that he's the RB2, you're still getting a situation where he can still finish as a very solid sixth round running back for you, fifth round running back, but he's going in the eighth to ninth rounds right now. So I do think the rookie JK Dobbins has a lot of dynasty upside. I think right behind uh, Jonathan Taylor, he's my favorite dynasty pick, even ahead of Clyde edwards Lair, in my opinion right now. So I do like JK Dobbins a good amount in dynasty formats. I like him in redraft as well, based on the fact that you're getting him so late. He has the second running back that we'll be talking about in terms of late round running backs. Let's get into our third and final running back right now. So the third and final running back is not an efficient running back who's a veteran in Matt Breida. It's not this flashy, shiny new toy going into the best possible situation in J.K. Dobbins, the rookie out of Ohio State. It's going to be Latavius Murray, which coming out of college, he was fantastic. He had that huge Thursday night football where he had like a 90 yard touchdown. And then I think tore his meniscus or ACL, whatever he ended up doing to miss the final couple of games of that season. And now he's going to be yet again, the RB2 in a New Orleans based run offense behind Alvin Kamara. And you can currently get him with like the last pick in the ninth round of 12 team drafts. And a lot of times you can get him into double digit rounds, which if he's your RB5, even RB4, I think it starts to make sense at that point. Let's look at what he did last year in 2019. In 2019, he played in all 16 games. He played on 40% of the snaps. He had over 630 yards, six touchdowns. And the big one, he caught 35 of 43 targets for 235 yards. He ended up totally finishing with around 870 yards and six touchdowns, including 43 targets. Now we had a lot of production in two weeks without Alvin Kamara last year. In those two weeks, week seven, you can see on the screen right now, 27 carries, five receptions. So 32 touches for 150 yards and two touchdowns, a beast. And the week after that week eight, and also in week seven, he finished with 32 fantasy points, which was RB2, probably behind Christian McCaffrey that week. I didn't go back and look. But in week eight, 21 carries, nine receptions, nine receptions, so 30 total touches, 157 yards, two touchdowns, finished with 36.7 fantasy points. And somehow that was RB3 for that week, just an absolute beast those two weeks. So you can see that he ended up finishing with a, a whopping 34 receptions for Latavius Murray. You don't expect that, but he also had 14 of those in two games when there was no Alvin Kamara. So check down City, but he was very efficient. He was very effective. But Latavius Murray wasn't just effective only when Kamara was out. Obviously, he was a dynamite top five player those weeks in terms of running backs and overall in fantasy, but Murray still saw four other weeks with over 10 fantasy points. In three of those weeks, he saw over 11. And in two of those weeks, he saw over 12 fantasy points. So what you get in Latavius Murray is this rare handcuff ability of, okay, he's a very good handcuff. Like when he's when he's out in this offense, he's going to be an RB1 in terms of your rankings that week, just proven by week seven and week eight performance last year. But even when Alvin Kamara is not out, he plays that Mark Ingram role for a few years back of having red zone touches, of having enough touches, eight, 10 per week, potentially, that can allow him to still be a top 
25 running back in those weeks. And you can see right here, he finished as a top 30 running back six times last year and a top 25 running back four times last year. So to get a guy who you're not going to say he's going to directly replicate this, but has all the upside in the world, if a guy in Alvin Kamara was to get hurt, and even if he wasn't and still put up four top 30 running back weeks for you, you're getting him in the 10th round. What, what more can you really ask for at that point? So we don't have to really break through the offseason of what the Saints did overall. They added Cesar Ruiz in the interior offensive line on the draft because they ended up letting Larry Warford go in free agency. We don't have to get too deep into really anything else there, but the durability of Latavius Murray, he's a backup. You're taking him in the 10th round. You shouldn't really be waiting his durability, but he hasn't been hurt since 2016 when he missed two games of the toe sprain. In 2013, when he was uh, an up-and-coming player on the Raiders, he did miss 10 games with that ankle tear after having that huge Thursday night football game, I believe it was, for the Raiders. And then in 2014, he missed a game with a concussion. So he's been pretty durable since then while he's been on the Vikings and on last year playing every single game with the Saints. The backfield competition is obvious. It's Kamara. It's Dwayne Washington. Kamara was a top 10 back in terms of just elusiveness last year. Fantasy points per game, 17.8. He missed the two games and then he played through a lot more. So it really did impact him. But you know how good Kamara is. I have an individual breakdown on him. He was just recently in my first round running backs video, have him in the running backs rankings videos. A lot goes into play there. You know what you're getting out of Murray and you potentially get the best handcuff in the NFL out of Murray just based on the offense that he's in and the talent that he's shown and proven last year as a veteran. And then you also just get upside weeks out of him for maybe two to four to five times in a season, even if Alvin Kamara is healthy. So those are three running backs. Some honorable mentions, Tevin Coleman of the 49ers. You can currently get him as the 119th overall player on average with the 11th pick in the ninth round of drafts. And then Anthony McFarlane, 180th overall is currently going as a 15 round pick on average. Go get the rookie Pittsburgh Steeler who likely starts the season as the RB2 in Pittsburgh. So that's where I'm at right now on some of these late round running backs. Be sure before you go, hit that like button. Really do appreciate that. Smash the subscribe button and hit the notification bell. Be on the lookout for June 15th, or maybe it's already out right now in the description. It'll be out all my social channels. You can check out the Supreme Draft Guide, and you can also get the top 25 running back rankings totally free right below in the description. Join the Discord. Do all those things for me. I really do appreciate it. I will see you all in the next one. Stay safe out there, everybody, and peace out, gang.